Hi, I'm Raylene Taskowski, and I've talked to over 10,000 women about sex over the past decade. Welcome to the Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast. Welcome to Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed. It's where you can get questions answered like... How long does it take the average man to orgasm? And... How long does it take the average woman to orgasm? And also... Why is it so hot in here? Audiences agree. It's brilliantly funny. Raylene makes sex ed fun. This show is entertaining, factual, and relatable. There's nothing worse than being halfway done with sex and feeling your vagina shut down on you. (laughs) You've got to see stand-up comedy sex ed. I am ready to go do that comedy show. (laughs) Welcome to the Stand-Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast, hosted by Raylene Taskowski and some other guest. And today's guest is Otissa Eads. Did I say that right? You said it perfectly. Okay, awesome, because I don't think I actually asked you in advance. And um, I met Otissa in one of the virtual talks that I had done, and we started talking about speaking, and I found out that she was a college RA, and we had this great conversation about the stuff that kids in college need to know. And so I said, hey, will you come on my podcast and let's talk about it? So, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Me too. We did have such a fun conversation, so I was like, all right, let's just bring this to my podcast. Oh, yeah, and I mean, I feel like I walked away with, like, more things. I'm like, yes, I'm super stoked. Yeah, and I came away with other good things, too, from our other conversation, but I'm excited to see where you're thinking about starting a speaking career, and so I'm excited to watch you do what you're going to (laughs) do. I'm excited, too. It takes balls to stand up and talk takes a lot of balls but I think it also it's more about you know not getting caught up in fear or what people think or what people are gonna think and just yourself you know to show up as your authentic self I think the thing that I find most gratifying is the number of people afterwards who will say this is really needed I got something from that talk and So somebody had said the other day on a podcast site, they said, if you knew you were only podcasting for one person, would you still do it? And I think instinctively, everybody's like, fuck no, I would not do all this work for one person. But the reality is, if you can change one person's life, you know, it it makes a difference. And so that's when I do that talk, it's literally people who come back and tell me that I changed their life by something that I said. So by saying it and by being me and being just being okay with talking about sex and putting conversation out into the world and giving people to talk conversation, talk about, I may may never get famous and I may never get rich, but I know for a fact, a lot more women are having orgasms because they met me. Exactly. Which is like, which is awesome. And then too, I think what, what I like about your talks is, you know, it's like, I feel like sometimes sex is like the elephant in the room, you know, like we all know it's there, but we don't acknowledge it and we don't really talk about it. And what I liked about your talks is how you deliver it straight out to, you know, right uh, to, to the point. And, and if people get uncomfortable, oh, well, that, you know, it, it's good. It's a good thing to get uncomfortable about something because now you know, like, oh, I should start talking about this more or I should start being open to this conversation more. So I well, love it. When I start my college talks, which I'm hoping is going to start up pretty soon, I'm going to start by saying you are going to be uncomfortable. Some of you are going to be uncomfortable. Some of you might get mad. Some of you will learn something. And some of you are high right now, and you're not going to remember a word I said. <laughs> you know, like, let's just start yeah. out with the fact that it's comedy. Right? <laughs> and it's going to make some people uncomfortable because it's an uncomfortable topic. And that's just, and it's uncomfortable until you keep talking about it. 
And that's literally the way it is with every topic that you're uncomfortable with. It's only uncomfortable. And have you ever seen another family and they're just completely comfortable, like with physical affection, they hug, they kiss, they touch. And then you've got other families that are like, Oh Christ, why are you touching me? Oh, don't like what? And if you marry into one of those huggy, touchy, feely families, eventually you get used to it and it's not uncomfortable anymore. And that's kind of how literally everything is. Yes. You know, well, it's like the more you do it, the more comfortable you become. Right. And everybody's not going to be good at it right up front. So as an RA in college, Yes. What are some of the things that you think kids should have known before they got there or that you were able to help with? Let's just talk yeah. about sex. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, you know, when people are going to college, a lot of the times, most people have never talked about sex with someone before. And if they have, it's usually in a, you know, in a medical clinical sense, or it's, um, you know, the whole don't have sex until you're married or, you know, here's how to be safe. Are you on birth control? Like that's the kind of conversations I think they're already coming to college with. And then, you know, when I start being uh, an RA and I was, you know, in, in, a, in a dormitory full of girls, the, these conversations quickly changed. And then what, what they were coming to me with were usually things that I had to say, hey, an expert, you need to talk to like this, you know, resource on campus. But a lot of it was, oh my gosh, I think I'm bisexual. Like that was like usually what I usually had to hear or I was in a situation and this this happened, what should I do? And a lot of that's revolving around partying, right? Like a lot of college kids are partying it up. They're having a good time. And then sex happens, whether it's they were, they don't remember they had sex, but they don't remember because they were so intoxicated mm-hmm. or um, it did happen, but they didn't enjoy it or uh, they, they were in the middle of something sexual and they were uncomfortable and they left and they feel shame. So it was usually like around shame, sexuality, or, um, or, you know, the whole drinking, partying culture and sex and how to go about it. And so, you know, being an RA, the cool thing is you get, you get to do like little workshops or little, you know, uh, events around whatever you wanted to do. And um, I always talked about, you know, I, I remember, I think I had a, either a nurse practitioner or someone from the, um, the, the health office come to the, um, the, the dorm and talk about sexual health. And when she talked about orgasms and that whole thing, I, I, I just remember all the jaws dropping and all the faces scrunching and everyone getting really uncomfortable around this topic. And I found that fascinating. I think, I think she asked like, how many of you have experienced an orgasm? And like, nobody raised their hand really. And I, I think a lot of it was again, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's asking this question, right? Right. And then the other part was some people, they've never had an orgasm or they've never, you know, they never thought about pleasure in, in, in a sexual act. And I think watching, getting the, getting, for me, it was like, I get to see this experience happening in front of me and being a witness to this. And I think, I think that just the whole conversation about sex from a, from, from um, a, a pleasure standpoint, um, and really understand that it's okay for you to have an orgasm. It is okay for you to get yours and it's okay for you to do that on your own time. You don't have to always have intercourse to, you know what I'm saying? Like a, a yes. lot of, I think a lot, I think that age between 18 and 21, I think it, it's expected. I go have sex with a man and then I'm satisfied. Like that was the whole thing. A lot of girls would talk about that when they're getting ready for parties and, you know, and it was just like, ah, 
You know, I was like, so cute that you thought that. <laughs> I, mean, I thought that too, but I was able to have women around me. I mean, the cool thing about college and being an RA was I was surrounded by women who were older, you know? So I got to listen to these women talk about sex and what they, you know, advised us and, and how they, they would navigate this whole world. And that was what was so fascinating. And, um, you know, I was so grateful to have this experience of, of women saying, hey, you know, that's actually not normal. You should go, you know, seek counseling for this. Or, hey, yeah, I had this trouble too. Or um, or just communication when it comes to sex and dating. Right. Um, so yeah, like it was, it, was, it was the coolest thing to witness, but it's also, I think it's still something that's not being talked about. And, and I think, you know, I think that, you know, guys in, at, at that age, I think they also, are in the same situation, but it's more like, ah, I show up, I do what I do when I leave. Like, you know, like, right. like I, I think the mentality around sex from their perspective is also a little, you know, different. And I think that they also need tools and to have this conversation as well. Um, so yeah, I mean. Right. Well, somebody needs to uh, make sure that they know that there's two people in this experiment experience. Yeah. It's not just about you. Right. And uh, when I talk to my daughters and I've said this on other podcasts and I'll probably say it a million times. Cause ever since I said it the first time, it makes me laugh every single time. You are not a receptacle for his penis dump. You are part of the experience. You should be having your own orgasm. Right. And I think when I say it that way and it's so crude and it is crude, I acknowledge that it's crude. It, I'm hoping that in their head, they think, fuck yeah, that's right. That's not why I'm here, you know? Right. And that's really what I want is for women and young women and women. I don't want to say girls because, right. you know, but I want young women to understand that you're there for the orgasm. Otherwise, why are you there? Because right. he's there for the orgasm for sure. Uh, and the problem is that most guys are getting their sexual health advice from porn. Right. Or and from so, guys, from other guys their age, which, what do they really know? You right. know what I'm saying? So it's very, it's important that somebody gets in front of the young women and say, hey, girl, it's about you. It is. It and is. It doesn't matter how you flip your hair and it doesn't matter what position you're in and it doesn't matter how you arch your back or how high your titties are. Don't worry about any of that until you're ready, until you've had your orgasm. Then you can be like, all right, let me speed you along with a little tit bounce, like something. <laughs> <laughs> something. And I think too, in having fun, I think that's a big right. thing too. I think a lot of, um, I can just think about a lot of the young ladies that would come to me, a lot of it, I think that there's, again, some of them are bringing guilt and shame from whatever they're dealing with before they even get to college, right? Like a lot of people are dealing with a lot of personal stuff and um, they don't work through it. They think by partying sex and doing a good job in college that it'll all work itself out. So having fun with sex, I think is, is something that isn't really talked about. I think a lot of it's like, oh, it just happened, or oh, I liked him, and I've been dating him for a while, we had sex. It's kind of like a milestone, yeah, or like a check off the box, you know, like a, a box you check, but it's not something that they like think, oh, wow, I really want to have fun exploring this side of myself, and not feel like, not feel shameful about it. Right. Um, so I think that's also another aspect of it, too. I think, and I 
really need to make more clear when I'm doing this. It's not that I want girls to basically use boys as toys, although that's what they're doing to you. Um, I, it should be a mutually yes. uh, pleasurable experience for both of you. And, right. But one thing that is probably crystal clear is that if you have never had an orgasm on your own, getting drunk and hooking up with a guy is not going to solve that problem. Not at all. Never. It's actually going to make things worse. Yeah. Because yeah. now you're going to feel you're going to feel like you did something wrong or did I do it right? And then now you got to bump into this guy at the U all the time. And you're like, um, yeah, it's, you got to learn how to do it yourself first. Yeah. And, and it's not a bad thing. I think, I think a lot of people, you know, I think when I was an RA and we would talk about this subject, I think a lot of young ladies were just like, Oh, like what I have to, I get to do what I, I should do what, or I remember there was a friend of mine and she was like, I, like I, I, to this day, I'm like, I wonder what she's up to. She was someone who was so open-minded and so like, she, she was always like, yeah, just have you, have you not you taking care of yourself? Have you not thought about this, this, and the third? And she was like, yeah, you know, you've got to learn how to do that. And right. I was like, wow, I've never, I, it, it was the first friend that actually had that kind of real conversation, I think with myself. So like, to me, it was always like, wow, I don't think these conversations are being had at all. No, they're um, really not. No, they're not. And it's sad, right? Like, cause then, you know, later in, in life, you know, I, I meet someone like yourself, who is working for Pure Romance and, and I and I have a little party and like half the girls I invited don't show up because they have this whole misconception, A, of what the, those parties are. Right. And then two, it's a very taboo subject of toys and self-pleasure. Like I'll never forget the day, I think I told you this last time, but I'll never forget the day when I asked a buddy, I was like, hey, you didn't show up to the party I had. You know, it was really fun. We had a good time. She's like, yeah, I just don't think I need that. I just don't think I need that in my life. And me and my partner are satisfied. And that's that. And I was like, okay, all right. And I think she said the word sex party. And I had to, I had to like, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This yeah. is not a sex party, my friend. A sex toy party, maybe. Right. But this is not a sex party. And I had explained to her. I was like, I think that you just had the wrong mis misconceptions of what this was. And I wish you would have called and asked me about it. Right. And I would gladly, you know, talk it through. So I think that's the thing. I think a lot of folks have this like preconceived notion of what pleasure is, what self-pleasure is. Um, and I think when it comes to toys and, and the accessories is what I always tell people. It's, a, it's, an, it's an accessory. It's an ornament on a tree. It right. makes things sparkle. It's great. Um, if you don't use a handheld screwdriver for every single thing you put together in your life, then don't fucking tell me toys are not for you. Because it's just another tool. If you have got yourself a Black & Decker screwdriver that goes and you use that because it's fast and easy, you can have a vibrator. <laughs> yeah. It is not a scary thing. It is not the end of the world. Like, it just, it just isn't. But I think some people, again, they don't know. They have no clue. Right. Um, so just they think that it's a, a scary thing. It's like, no, it's not scary. Dude, have you, try something small work yeah. your way up. You don't have to, it's not something that you need to like, or people think they have to pour thousands of dollars into this. Right. No. Well, the thing is you can also just learn about lubrication and arousal creams and you know, lingerie. There's a myriad of things that you can buy at a sex toy party that are not sex toys. Yes. But for specifically with my company and with me, it's about the education. 
like, I mean, sure, I would love you to buy a $200 vibrator because that's going to help me pay my bills, but it's really more important to me that you buy a lube because that's going to make okay. your sex life better, right? I'm not going to make a ton of money off of that, but that's the key. The key is for you to understand. Now, I was one of those people 14 years ago before I started selling. I was like, I don't need any of that stuff. That stuff is not for me. I don't have need. My husband and I are satisfied. We don't need any of that crap. Well, there's a level of satisfied that you don't even know about yet. Right? And yep. sure, you can be like, okay, let's just say you go into Baskin Robbins and you get one flavor of ice cream and you're happy with one flavor. But you don't happen to notice that there's 30 other flavors you can also try and enjoy. Yes. Such a great analogy because it's the truth. It is the truth. And then two, eventually you getting that same flavor will get old pretty fast, especially yeah. if you like ice cream, you know, right. like, it's going to get boring after a while. Um, and yeah, I think that's a great way of, of putting it and looking at it. And I think too, just talking about it more, talking with friends, right? Like, you know, yep. having that conversation, just saying, Hey, let's talk about orgasms. What do you think about this? Like, it's like, you know, like, what do you, what do you, what do you think about this? And just, and, and I think like, that's kind of where it starts. Like, you know, or, you know, how old were you, you know? Cause I think like I'm reading this book, I think I told you, but I'm reading this book and, and it's talking about uh, this woman, I think she's 19 and she moves to New York in the 1940s. And she talks about her whole like sexual experience and discovery of herself at this age. And it's fascinating to like, to read. Cause it's like, wow, I think that like, I think her, these girls that she's living with kind of start asking her all these questions about, about her, her, about her sex life. And she was like, oh, I don't have one. They're like, what? Like, like, <laughs> like it just, they were, they were like, oh no, we got, we got to fix this. And you know, let's talk about this and that. And it was, it was cool to read a book from this perspective with, you know, like with, with the times because it's right. like this 1940s. Share the book. Oh, sorry. The book is City of Girls um, by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she, right. she does this like historical romance fiction. Um, I don't know if it's based off someone that she knew, but it's a really, really cool book. If you like history, romantic uh, fiction or romance. I do. It's She's good. actually spoken twice at our, at our national conventions. Yeah. That's I like. So cool. I like her. Um, I, I read Big Met. I got to tell you, and I know everybody's going to hate me for this, but I absolutely hated the movie Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> hated it when I got done I was like that's two hours I'm never getting back in my life this is awful and then I read the book and the book was not bad but the act the movie I was like god is it ever gonna end ever gonna yeah I was gonna I was gonna say if you didn't read the book before watching the movie it would that would be really a horrible experience reading the book I still think of course the book I enjoyed a lot more um and I just liked watching this journey that she's figuring out who she is and what she wants in life. And I think that, I think that's what makes her a phenomenal writer because she writes about her own experiences. Yeah. But this book, it's completely, it's completely it's a fiction book, right? Fiction book. And there's an interview I think she did with Oprah uh, when she launched the book, I think last year or maybe earlier this year. I can't remember. Um, and she talks about her journey since that, since Eat, Pray, Love. And I think another book that came afterwards and it's completely different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so she <laughs> talks about her her experiences in her life and what has unfolded 
And I was just like in tears. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know any of this was happening to her. And, and I like that she doesn't have this perfect life. You know what right. I'm saying? Like some people, they tend to only want to show you the good, the stuff that looks great on paper, but they don't really want to show you like, hey, you know, this is what's happening with me. This is what I'm, you know, I'm not, my shit's not, not, uh, you know, it's, my poop is not in a scoop. No, <laughs> it's all over the place. It's everywhere. It's hitting the fan. It's, it's, right. it's, my neighbors are yelling at me. It's horrible. It's all over the place. That's why I kind of think like, I'm such a train wreck. And even on this podcast, I'm like, all right, I want it to be like exact. And it's never exactly. I'm just like, <sighs> I've only edited out one, maybe two little stories in the 16 or so episodes I've had prior to this one. And, you know, and they just didn't have any, they just were non sequitur to the rest of it. Right. And so it just didn't fit. But I'm always worried I'm going to say something like when I do live ones or if I do other people's and I'm like, you know, you're going to say something stupid. But now at this point, I'm like, whatever. Everybody knows I'm a trademark. Everybody knows I was molested. Everybody knows, you know, like how many, you know, my body count. I mean, actually, I don't even know my body count before I got married. So, it does, you know, but it was high. Um, but I've also been married for the last 25 years. So I, I'm like showing two different perspectives of a life lived. Right. And, you know, the education before and after and, you know, whatever, if being a train wreck is what helps other people learn or ask questions or get an idea or even have a thought, that's the thing that always weirds me out is when I'm doing a party or I'm doing a talk and people are just completely blindsided by something that I say, like something stupid, like a great many medications have sexual side effects. You know, and people will go, oh my God, my antidepressant has side effects. Yeah. Sexual side effects. It's like a pretty well-known thing, but nobody mentions it. Like the doctors don't say, I remember my doctor, cause she was prescribing me Zoloft. This is a while ago and I wasn't on it for very long because I mean, I knew about the sexual side effects and then I was going through a period. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to put you back on Zoloft. And I was on like 25 milligrams for like two weeks or so. And then she doubled it to 50. And then that boom, ability to orgasm gone. And, and I went back in and she goes, Oh, did you know that um, birth control pill or uh, antidepressants have sexual side effects? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I'm not going to take this one anymore. I said, I would really rather be depressed than not orgasm. It's just, and it's not like you can't have an orgasm. It just takes a lot more effort. Right. And girl, if you're on an antidepressant and you can't orgasm, you need to get yourself a toy because that's the kind of stimulation you're going to need. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, well, I think when you go to the doctor, I think everyone's so quick to want to fix the symptoms. Right. Right. And the ones that are most painful. So the doctor says, yeah, this, this will fix the big, the big symptoms you're having, but it's going to come with a lot other side effects that you may not have thought about. And I think, I don't think people ask I mean, I, I, like when I go to the doctor, I always warn them, like, I am going to ask you a ton of questions. Are you ready? I got them written down, ready to go. And I, and I, and I start, I mean, I fire them off. I research, you know, I'm, that's the person I am though, before right. I put anything in my body, I want to know what I'm dealing with, you know? And the uh, rest of us have white coat syndrome, which is as soon as a white coat walks in the room, your mind erases every question you want to ask you forgot. Yep. Yeah, and so that's why it's important, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, if you have a doctor appointment coming up and you have some thoughts, write them down on paper because you are not going to remember them when she walks in the room. You are now almost naked. 
you're well then too like you, we all have smartphones well most of us have smartphones so just open your notes app that's what i do i, I think yeah. i used to have a section like doctor questions or whatever and i would just write them all down and the, or if i have certain symptoms or certain things are happening i keep a little log and then i go hey before I forget, let me tell you about these things that are happening in my, in my, in my body. I don't know what's going on, you know, yeah. and asking for other alternatives to things, you know, what are, uh, what's another alternative to this? Right. You know, are you, and open, you know, you heard my talk, you know, oh, and will this have any sexual side effects? You know, we need to make sure that our healthcare providers acknowledge that sexual health is part of overall health. And they tend to skip out on the things like that, especially as you get older and if you're female. Yeah. They're, if you're older and you're female, they're like, ah. <laughs> I can tell you, this thing happened to my dad and he, he had gone in for this little surgery and the doctor called it a roto-rooter. And so it had something to do with the prostate gland and, um, or the bladder. The bladder, I think it was. But anyway, he does this little procedure. And then about six weeks afterwards, he goes to, you know, continue lovemaking with the mother. And uh, this thing happens and it's called, I've looked it up, it's called a retrograde uh, ejaculation. And so now when he gets to the point of orgasm, instead of orgasming it and having the sperm shoot forward, the ejaculate shoot forward and create that delicious orgasm, it shoots back into the bladder and then it just pees out. Oh. Like when he goes to the bathroom. So we can do all of the arousal, but none of the orgasm. And so he went to the doctor and he said to the nurse, this thing is happening to me. I can't orgasm like this. And, and she said, and he was 65. She said, what's the big deal? How often do you have sex anyway? What? Yeah. See the look on your face? That's the look on the face of every woman or every man who actually enjoys sex. Because there's not going to be a day where I'm going to be like, cool, like I'm done. Like there's no. not. And, and so then they found out that the side effect of the surgery, which he did not need, is that that will happen. And there is no cure and there is no recovery. And the doctor did not mention it. And, you know, he's like, well, you sound the form, you know, so somewhere maybe on the form in tiny letters, it might have said this happens sometimes. That's not fair. No, that's not fair. And Again, this is someone's health here that you're, right. that you're, that you're, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I think that's kind of, but you're right. I think that's, I think that's the approach, right? Is the doctor knows best. And again, they're treating the thing that was wrong. Right. Even well, there wasn't even the thing, that was the thing is it really wasn't wrong. It was one of those, um, it was one of those situations where uh, the doctor, let's just say like the way my dad explained it to me is there's a scale of one to 10. And when they're going in and doing the procedures, kind of like when you go in for a colonoscopy, if they're just doing a routine colonoscopy, it's no big deal. But if they see nodes, they can leave them because they're not necessarily a problem or they can take them. Well, once they take them, now it's a surgery. So now you've gone from a $25 copay to $250 uh, surgery copay. Right. And they do that a lot. Well, in this case, I guess anything above seven and a half, uh, you have to take. Anything between five and seven and a half, you should take. Anything between two and a half and five, you can take, and you should leave anything below a one. And he had like a 2.75. Oh, no. So, so it was wasn't necessary. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you and, don't want uh, to my rant about, about the health 
Yeah. And, and, and at least in this case, it happened to a guy. Cause most of the time, if somebody's getting hosed over, it's a woman. But right. I mean, as me and as what I do for a living and how much I value orgasms, that is a thing that breaks my heart. Yes. That that happened. But you're, but that, like, that should be a question that when someone goes to the doctor, okay, how is this going to affect my sexual health? Yeah. Point blank period. Right. And, and then, but we need to train ourselves to ask it. We need to make yeah. sure our, you know, like, especially dudes, okay, dudes, if you're listening to this, if you're going to a, a urologist or you're getting your prostate checked or anything, ask them how it is going to affect your sex life and then yes. be informed. Yes. Just be informed. You might decide that a 2.5 is worth not being able to orgasm for the rest of your life. Or you might be like, I'd literally rather die of cancer than not be able to orgasm. You're like, it's up to you. That is your decision. Right. Not your doctor's decision to make. Right. Well, it's kind of like, you know, again, like how you talked about that, like the, the, the white coat syndrome. I liked that. That was really yeah. cool. I think, I think it's, it's just getting into that, that space of, again, being res- like, I always look at it like I'm responsible for this, this body that I have. And I only get one. Right. right. So for me, when I come in there, to me, this is like a, this is my show. I just need your guidance and, you know, how this is going to work with certain, you know, things that I'm dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm the authority though. You know, I get to say yes or no to things. And it's just, I think that's just that mindset that I've, I've developed over the, over the. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really good mindset to have. Well, you know, I like, I, I, again, this may be a little bit of a rant, but you know, I have a pituitary adenoma and I got diagnosed when I was 18 that, you know, they have a little tumor in my pituitary gland. And that was like, Oh, what? And it completely changed how things function with my body hormonally. And I had to like, I had just had to learn when I had this Cause what happens even now, if I switch providers, it's like, I have to be prepared for them to, you know, mansplain or to, <laughs> you know, and I, and sometimes I sit there and I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, you're ready for what I have to say. And then I, you know, I tell them like, this has been 10 years. I've, you know, and I just let them know that this is still my body. It's still my choice, how I do things. If I don't want to try this medication, I don't want to try it. And if, and if I want to try this, I'll try this. But I try to remember that I still get to have an authority and a say, no matter what they come with, you know? Right. And, I'm the one paying the health insurance and the bills. So like, like that's kind of how I looked. I've looked at it for a while. I just think that for a lot of people, until they get to a situation like yours or they hear of a situation like I just yeah. talked about, they don't even think about right. it. They don't think that their doctor would prescribe something that could be potentially more harmful than what they're, you know, giving up. Um, and so you've got to advocate for yourself. But you also, I mean, I feel like in some cases, people just need to know that that shit could happen. No, yeah. most guys who go in, you know, don't come out going, oh, I might not ever orgasm again. Like, yeah. So it's super important that, again, it's a conversation. It is a conversation. It is. And, and, and just being, I, I, again, I think, I think if someone, if, if people start, you know, pulling the, the notes app from their phone and just putting that question on there, how is this treatment or this treatment plan or this uh, medication change, how is this going to affect my sex life? How, how is this going to affect my sexual health? Right. And just having that question there. And, and you know, when you go to the, to the doctor's appointment or whatever you're going for, you just pull that up and say, oh, hey, before we end this, before we wrap this up, I got one question for you. Mm-hmm. And then and just start there. And then take notes, because I, I take notes during my appointment all the time. Right, because I'm not going to remember everything. Not at all. And sometimes they don't, you know, sometimes they don't give you a little recap. Some people do, some doctors do. Um, but 
yeah again it to me it's it to me it's like taking a little bit more ownership of of our health and that starts with asking questions mm-hmm. will this have any sexual side effects <laughs> point blank period exactly I don't, no, maybe right. people's sex lives aren't as important to them as it is to me so well I mean, maybe maybe it's no one's had that mindset maybe it's we're i think again i think i i even struggle with being in my head too much you know being in my brain too much and i think sometimes we're just we think that we're robots that we just go 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 and we do this and we do that we and we have our routines that we don't think about uh our, our sex lives we just right. sometimes people just don't think that that is a an important part of their life and it actually is especially as you get older right right you know and as but you know and if you've been in a long-term relationship you know uh it's the thing that brings you back together. It's the thing that keeps you from just being roommates. Yep. Or yes, yes, yes. And it's the thing that when you're annoyed with each other or whatever, and then you get back, you get together and you have like a really, you know, head banging against the wall, can't breathe when you're done, accelerated heart rate orgasm and you flop over and you're like, fuck, that was good. (laughs) Ah, thank you. (laughs) Well, and then it's like, oh, you know, like, I that's think, why I keep you around. That's why we, yeah. And then I think, too, I think, I think again, like, I think sometimes people again, forget that. Like, like I, I, a lot of people will talk about, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I miss the passion. I miss this. I miss that. It's like, well, when's the last time you guys have had sex? Right. Or, or sometimes people, sometimes women, not all, but sometimes women may expect the man, if they're in that kind of relationship to initiate all of the time. Yeah. And that's, kind of silly especially if you've been together for quite some time in my in my opinion right well i also feel that way but i'm also in one of those kind of relationships but remember how we were talking um about when i do my college talk i want us i want to do cue cards i want to create a toolbox of just things that a glossary if you will of just words that are already pre-written to help young adults talk to each other uh, specifically about sex and so a couple of weeks ago just random side story uh you know i'm out laying in the sun and my husband is like i don't know mowing the lawn or something just got done mowing the lawn and of course all the kids are back home because of covid and so our opportunities to just knock one out are you know further and farther between because now they're in the bedrooms right next to us and you know we prefer afternoon sex and everybody's working from home and all of, you know, so there's no space. Right. And so the two girls are outside there and, and they're setting up to go do a workout because they do a workout every single day. And I just texted him and I was like, want to sex? <laughs> he just, he just dropped the rake and walked into the house and I went in the house and it was just like, it's awesome. <laughs> and that, that was, that was, it was just like, yeah. But I mean, if we had waited till evening time, I'm like, Shh, they're in the hallway or they're walking them down, they're brushing teeth, shutting the door, opening the door, listening, you know, they're watching front, like whatever. There's a million distracting things. But at that moment, I was like, this is our opportunity. Let's do it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, I love, I love that. And because, you know, like in a previous relationship, I, uh, I was, I, I always had roommates. Roommates were a very, a thing. And I learned that that was a problem for me. That's why it was hard for me to want to have sex with him at the time because, 
it was people. Pe- people were around, you know, I don't want them hearing that. Cause you know, I, I always know, you know, some people will tease you, you know, like, Hey, I heard you had a good night last night. And I yeah. know that like with some friends, I probably wouldn't care at all. But for that situation, I was new to Colorado, but only been here for like like, a, like maybe six months at the time. And I was like, I don't want my landlord to hear us have sex. Like, like, <laughs> like that's terrible. You know, the bed and, squeaking is banging bed, against the wall. Well, I you know, squeak. Funny is we had an air mattress. So that was even like, it deflates. Like, <laughs> Like that whole like awkwardness, right? Like it was, to me, it was a, a lot of awkwardness around trying to figure out how, how we can have sex. And, and, you know, it was like, Hey, I remember like one time uh, the roommates were out, they were out and doing things. And I was like, time, is it time for us to have sex? Like, yeah. You know, because we were able to find a good moment where there were no distractions and people, you know, br- like you said, brushing their teeth or doing laundry. Cause we were, we were right in front of the laundry uh so oh. but having some 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 type of cue cards or some type of deck where people can oh okay uh i can use this phrase right or yeah. I can tell this or i think that's i think that's going to be so helpful especially for young women right yeah because I, I don't think i i mean i didn't have the verbiage uh, i think all. that's the key the key is the verbiage like i've sat because now i'm home with the girls and you know, they're like, how do I word this email to my boss? Or how do I word this? You know, my friend just posted a picture and, uh, you know, whatever, they've never said this, but you know, let's say some, you have to say something to your friend and it's awkward and uncomfortable. And they're always like, Hey, how do I say this? Or what do I do about this? And, um, so when it comes to sex, it would be great to just have a, a glossary of terms that you can just use. Yeah, on the positives and the negatives like i yep. really i really want it to cover both sides you know i want it to be like want a sex hell yeah you know want a sex not yet <laughs> you know? want a sex let's cuddle <laughs> like <laughs> you know sorry i said yes and then said no maybe we'll try to get another day <laughs> yeah like just just next time use more lube <laughs> more lube please more lube, <laughs> and, more lube please. Points and then emojis I was on somebody else's podcast last night. We were talking again with college kids and uh, they were saying that lube and condoms are like persona non grata. Like they've just, people just don't want to. And I'm like, well, but, and I go through all the reasons like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Wish you went to my, you know, wish you had done your talk at my school. And I'm like, well, I would if they would let me, but there's a zillion reasons to use lube. And, and there's the one stupid UFC fighter who got beat in like 18 seconds who went and told all women that if you need lube, it's because your partner's not good enough. What? Yeah. You never heard that? I have not heard about this. Yeah. It was uh, a UFC, a female UFC fighter. What? And she said that if, um, if your partner needs to use lube, then he's not good enough or he's not doing something right. Well, no one asked her. Exactly. So and that's what I was like, who the fuck do you think you are speaking yeah. for all women in women. the world? Gosh. And um, so it was really like uh, when I, I told them, I'm like, what one, your, your vagina lubricates in multiple areas. You might be lubricated on the outside, but not on the inside enough. So then it's not going to feel that great. Two, if it hurts, it's not going to feel great. Three, if it's too dry and you're going anyway, you're creating little micro tears. Little micro tears create little micro uh, scar tissue, and over time you start to lose sensitivity. You know, four, 
you could be absolutely enjoying yourself one moment and then the next moment be worried about some bill you forgot to pay or some test you didn't study for and all of a sudden you're not lubed anymore because your body changes and then you're like oh yeah 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 the sex is really good and then you get lubed again a little bit and then you start thinking oh my god do i smell am i too fat where are my nipples you're like yeah there's a million reasons so lubrication will keep everything slippery and consistent and then if you do have too much lube there's absolutely nothing wrong with stopping getting a towel swiping it out and moving on and moving on yeah right. well i honestly again i just don't think it's talked about right i, I mean I, I don't think it's just I, and then i would say as, as college students i think that the reason why the whole condom thing i think that, well this is just an impersonal opinion i just want to put okay. that out there it's a personal opinion but i think i think you know when i think about all the awkward moments myself and other friends were engaged in sexual activity at that age i think it, it was always like a bummer you know like, like for some people in during that moment it was like a bummer it was like oh we have to stop what we're doing because we were in the moment and i'm like oh nobody we got we got a picture we're taken care of yeah, but, I, but no. I but i don't think that it's i also part of it. it's part of it and i think also maybe some girls coming in think that you know oh i don't want to stop what we're doing or the classic you know it feels better when we don't use a condom i think that's, that's a bullshit right right you know if you're properly lubricated you cannot tell so it goes back properly to the lube. lubricated I you cannot tell they should always sell lube with condoms i think it yeah. should be a pack i, I don't understand why they sell unlubricated condoms ew yeah <laughs> Those you can feel, right? Ugh. But yeah, you're like, ah, so you shoving yeah. a rubber band in my vagina? What the hell? But properly lubricated. And I can tell you I'm an expert because I am 52 years old and I've been using condoms in my current marriage for all 25 years of it. I use condoms. You know why? That's your mess. You take it to the bathroom. Yes. I just had an orgasm. I'm going to roll over and go to sleep. Thank you very much. Don't got time to clean up after you. I love that. And well, uh, I just think that I, I really do think that um, I just think that it's a, and I also think that some women are a little nervous to say, hey, uh, where's the condoms and let's bring some lube into this. I think I think it's that taking that uh, like uh, initiative. Right. Uh, it, I think for some women that could maybe or some young ladies may feel like that's a little too. I don't know what the word is, but it's too. Or yeah, too forward. It's too much permissive. If I actually put a condom on you and I use a lubricant, well, then I'm really saying yes. <laughs> right. Oh, well, how about this? I was talking to someone the other day and they talked about being promiscuous when they were younger. And I should have asked more questions around it, but like, we were what doing- What does that mean? What is it? Yes. Because like, like, but I also was trying to focus on what we were doing the task at hand. But I thought to myself later, like, I'm curious in what that means. What does that mean being promiscuous? And I think, I think it's the verbiage right right you know like being promiscuous sounds bad saying that you're discovering yourself or exploring sexuality that sounds different right oh very yeah. much so well that's because one was written by the patriarchy and right. the church you a bunch of hoes and the <laughs> other one is written by you know our feminists who said no it's do what you want with it do what you want with it however you want however you want have fun have lube have condoms. I think that's what how it was written last I checked. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. So yeah, lube and condoms got to be the top of my list. That when any whenever anybody asks me what's the most important thing that I talk about, it's lubrication. Yes, it's the kiss method. Keep it slippery, stupid. Oh, yes. No matter. Yeah. 
You know, you heard people say, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> no, keep, for, it's keep slippery. it slippery, stupid. Keep That's it. A t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, it's just that important. And the other reason I like condoms is because you are going to have much better sex if you're not constantly worried about getting pregnant or getting a disease. Oh. Bingo. And I heard, I heard, I've had some friends say that certain birth controls dried them up. I've heard of a lot of birth control well, issues. Well, yeah, a lot of them. But that was one that I didn't even know about. Um, a friend was like, yeah, it messed with her hormones, but it also, it, she said it, she was extreme, like, dryness just in general. Like, even on her right. own time, it was, a, it, was a, it was bothersome. And I was like, what? Yeah. And no clue. And- and I've had the other one, and the girl said it last night in the podcast I was on, and I've heard people say it. Well, if I insist on a condom, he won't have sex with me, to which I respond, so? <laughs> Move on. <laughs> go go masturbate. What the, who is he? Is he somebody famous? Is he fucking Thor? Because he's not Thor. I don't give a shit. Thor. <laughs> I just watched those films, by the way. I'm, I'm in the middle of going through them all again. That's been our pandemic uh, conversation as we've gone through. We've got three left until until we're all caught up again but seriously you don't he doesn't you don't need him to have sex with you and if he won't have sex with you then just masturbate right in front of him and say no no i'm good and then he's gonna be like oh wait okay hold on i got one it's in my it's in my wallet i'll get it i get it like he's not gonna he's not not gonna have sex with you if he has to wear a condom that is an absolute bullshit line and if he won't then he can get the fuck out that's exactly what i was gonna say i was like he can move on and go somewhere else. And why should someone give you an ultimatum about sex? Well, I mean, technically, we're giving them one. <laughs> well, 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 what I mean is, is, why should a guy or right. whoever this person is is saying, you know, I I, I don't do this, and therefore I, I won't have sex? Okay, all right, okay. bye. Cool. We don't go, have, go, have go, sex. Go we can cuddle, or you can leave, or I can <laughs> masturbate. Cuddle. Or... We can leave. We can watch TV. Whatever. We, bye. Well, actually, Netflix and chill. We will, yes, and that's, that's okay, you know, um, but I, 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 I've heard that, I have heard that from, I, that was one thing I heard a lot, I think, I heard that a lot, and then I heard, um, it's usually, like, oh, we're in the moment, and I, and I just didn't want to ask, that, that was a bigger one, too, like, oh, we're in the moment, everything's right, and I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to bring it up, and I'm like, what? I just find that very, like, perplexing, because, like I said, I've been, we've been using them for, the whole entirety of our marriage, except for the times that I got pregnant, and I have never noticed a pause in the action. Or maybe he's just a super expert at getting him on real quick or whatever, but I can tell you that even, like, okay, this is a TMI, but whatever, it's my podcast, I do this all the time. Uh, Sometimes in the morning, you wake up, you see that glorious morning wood that looks nothing like the same wood that he was using the night before, and you're like, I'm going to hop on pop. I will still go around to his side of the bed, get a little condom, roll it all the way onto him while he's sound asleep and hop on. And it does not stop anything whatsoever. But when I'm done, he can go clean up the mess. I just love that. Well, I, I, I think when some ladies are younger, I think that it's, it's awkward or they'll perceive it as being, like we said, like a little too forward or controlling or whatever, insert here, word that makes them uncomfortable. Right. Um, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's really what it is. And I, I think when I did a workshop, I think I even said, who cares? Who cares if you feel awkward? Right. And I think I, I used to tell people How this. awkward is it going to be to say, um, you gave me chlamydia. 
right. <laughs> yes. That's what I, I mean, and I remember, I think I, I used to say to people, if you can't talk about the sex, whatever that's condom, birth control, whatever, whatever it is, if you can't talk about sex, maybe you should be careful of when you just start having sex because it's right. communication point. And then maybe you just start having sex with yourself. Maybe right. you start with masturbating. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe you don't just jump into, you know, any opportunity that presents itself. I feel you know? like maybe that's where I got an advantage is because I learned how to masturbate so young that I never, I never needed anybody else to participate. <laughs> and not many, not many young women are, are even talking about masturbation, let alone yeah. who knows that they're even doing that. You know, I, I remember when I was, I was, I was an RA, this is probably a little TMI. And I like, I walked into a friend's bathroom. I was like, yeah, I'm going to use your bathroom in class. And I saw her vibrator just sitting there on her shower. She had her shower open. I was like, holy shit, get it girl. Like I got, I was like, dude, that's awesome. Like good for you. Right. Good for you. Because a lot of the times when I was, you know, at this time, probably junior, sophomore, I don't really know. Um, I was more comfortable having these kind of conversations. My freshman year, oh no, I was I was very mm -hmm. like, let's not talk about it. I remember, I remember I went to my, I think she wasn't an RA, she was like an advisor or freshman, advi I don't know what they called them, but I remember talking to her after I had sex um, because I didn't, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, I just felt bad. I don't know, I just felt bad. And I went to her room and I talked to her and we had this great conversation. And she was like, have you ever talked about this with anyone else? I said, no. And she was like, wow, I thank you for trusting, trusting. me. Yeah. You know? We call it the unnamed icky feeling. I love it. Well, and that, I think that happens a lot um, with younger women, especially when they're beginning their college career. Um, or hell, who knows? Maybe they're just going straight into the workforce. Right. And which I think is even harder because one thing about I loved about college is you're surround. I mean, I was again, I was in an all female dorm. So I was surrounded by women, older, younger, some getting their masters, some like, you know, who, who's lived these lives. And I was able to just go, hey, let's talk about this. Or they would bring it up somehow. And I think that, you know, when you're not around women, you know, from different parts of life. Mm -hmm. I think that can be very, it can be a lonely, it can be lonely in a little, Yeah, I think, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep, I do. Yeah. It could, yeah. You, and, and the other thing is you're now going up against, you're going against things that you were taught, which is, you know, cause now you're out of your parents' house and you're going, you know, they said, you don't get sex and, you know, sex until you're married. Not everybody, but a lot of people. And, you know, you can't call your parents now because you have this unnamed icky feeling, but I'm telling you the unnamed icky feeling in that sense is, um, it's that uncomfortable feeling of growing. Right. Right. Well, and I think, I think too, you know, it's, what's funny is I remember telling my mom I wasn't a virgin. I remember that conversation explicitly. I was like, I think I had my heart broken by a guy I was dating. And I was so sad and upset. And she was like, did you lose your virginity to him? I was like, no, <laughs> I lost that in high school. She was like, what? Like, she, she was like, she, like I, I, I didn't, couldn't see her face, but I can only imagine her eyes just, just getting huge. Yeah. But I, th I think a lot of the times parents, I mean, one thing I learned from my mother who actually, what, I, what I'm so grateful for is she was really about sexual health, understanding, you know, she, she was in the medical field. So that was like, that was my crash course about sex was, you know, clinically health and what you're supposed to do, even though technically I'm not supposed to have sex until I'm married, but 
in case you decide to explore this, here's some guidelines, here's some, some helpful tips regarding sexual health. And, um, I'm so grateful that I had that. I think it was a freshman in high school when we had that conversation, very candid, very like, she's like, if you have any questions, let me know. Yeah. But not everyone had that. Not everyone knew those sort of things. Right. Um, and how to have those conversations with family, friends or whatever. So, um, I think that that, but maybe that's why I was so like, all right, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about health. Like, you know, as an right. RA, I was like, let's do this. Then um, you were probably a really good RA. <laughs> oh, I probably was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get the sense that you were a very good RA. Well, I just wanted to help. I mean, and I think I told you this last time, like I have this passion to help young ladies, you know, even young, young ones like, that are in high school. I mean, that time period, from I think the age 15 to 23. I mean, that's an interesting time period of growth that we, I don't think we um, really understand as like an outside perspective. Like I have a lot of friends that are older who have kids or in college. And sometimes I, I listen though. I let, I let them rant about the, the craziness that are happening in the home. But then I go home and I think, you know what? Like for instance, I think the Black Lives Matter movement right now, uh, I was listening to a friend just t- t- talk about her daughter, like having this new awareness, this new awakening and all the things that she wants to do and accomplish. And her mom's like, yo, I've been here. I've seen this. Like, you know, it's not new to me, but I wanted to tell her, like, it's not that she thinks that it's new to you. She's just on fire right now. Right. She's discovering this. It's and like a new Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or anyone discovering spirituality for the first right. time right? Like they're just on fire. They're excited. And, you know, my, I, I had the same thing with my parents with music when I was discovering the sixties and seventies, my dad was like, dude, I've heard the who enough. You don't have to. I saw them in concert. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and, and I think that like, even maybe with sexuality too, I think that some, especially when folks come out, right? Like right. You know, when I went to the pride fest here in Denver last year, uh, holy moly. I, I, I saw young ladies. I remember this, this young girl, she had to be 13, 14 or 14, 15. And she had her, her parents, her mom, her mom was there and they wanted to buy something. I was helping a client with, with a booth and she's like, yeah, my parents are here. My mom's here. They support me. I came out to them recently. And I was just like, wow, how beautiful is that? You know? Yeah. Showing up for, for, for your, you know, your daughter, your son in that way. I mean, that just blew my mind. I was like, wow. You know, if only that was happening in everywhere. everywhere. Yes. Happening everywhere and saying, Hey, I am here to talk, you know, I'm here to support you, whatever that looks like. Right. Um, It's needed. And you know what it is though? It's, and, and people have got to give some people a break, right? you got to learn that it's not all intuitive, especially if you weren't raised that way. And so you, (laughs) you know, sometimes you might need to give people a minute to to, to just, yeah, process to just like, wait, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I don't know how I feel about this right now. Give me a second, you know, and then you go through all of your emotions and all your thoughts and everything. And you go like, Nope, you are more important to me than whatever I learned in the past. And yes, and that's, and it's important. And, but everybody's like, you know, you didn't, I've seen women get mad because their husband's immediate response to finding out they were pregnant was not overjoy. It was the second of, fuck, I, what, you know, 
and then it's overjoyed. But the initial is, you know, my life is now about to change. Now I actually have to make money. Now I actually have to take my job seriously. Now I have to actually take care of a family. And then it's, oh my God, I'm going to be a dad. Like, okay. So on this subject, it's, it's kind of, it's not as happy, but I had, uh, I would say the pleasure to witness someone go through um, where they decided to have an abortion. And it, I was in college and it was a dear, dear friend of mine. And it was, a, it was something, unfortunately, her situation, that was the solution that she, the conclusion that she came to, you know? And I'm not going to give it into the whole why, because it's not, right. the, it's not the, 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 the point. The point was, you know, she, she made the decision and tried to act like everything was normal. And I remember calling her and, and her and her boyfriend at the time were mourning this, right? I said, allow yourself to grieve, allow yourself to process this, allow yourself to think about what you, cause of course she's, she's not only mourning the child, she's mourning the fantasy that she had about being a mom. Right. Right. And so uh, I, I, I suggested, I was like, as an RA, I suggest you definitely go to counseling, right. On campus. But I said, have you thought about writing a letter? I said, have you thought about writing a letter to the child? And I said, you can burn it if you want. You can keep it if you want. You can do whatever you want. But I said, you know, you have to allow yourself to process this. This might take a lot longer than a week. Right. I think it was a week. She's like, I don't know why I feel this way. I said, girl, this happened a week ago. <laughs> you know, like, right. and, and, I, and I'll never forget that first year for her. That was a very hard time. I, mean, I think she ended up dropping out for personal reasons. And I remember her calling me like a year later saying that she still had um, physical responses after. I think she was having a lot of bleeding. I think, that, I think that's what was happening. She was calling me, she was like, I'm having a lot of bleeding. And I said, did, you know, cause that's another thing that they don't tell women when they do. Well, they didn't tell her, I should say, maybe they're doing that now, this was 10 years ago. But when she had that abortion, she didn't know that there could be complications after the fact. Heck, there could be complications with her trying to have a child later in life. She had no clue. Well, they're not going to tell them that. No, they're not going to tell them that. But that, then, uh, that's hard. The people who will tell you that are the ones who don't want you to have the abortion. And that's, you know, it's like, it's the thing. Just give everybody all the information and let them make their own damn decision. Don't make it for them. And don't assume either, right? Like, right. there's a lot of assumptions that go, go that go in with with abortions, um, you know, from people. And and I think just being a witness to to that, I mean, it really opened my eyes. And anytime someone wants to talk about that with me, I'm like, I am here for you because sometimes the the partner may struggle with this in their in their own way. I think I think um, I think sometimes men may have their own struggles that they may not voice, especially if, it, if this is a male and female right. going and having this decision being made. I think that how they process it is completely different than how the, the woman does. And I always tell them, as I ask him to be as supportive as possible right now. If that's just cuddling, if that's crying, whatever that is, process it. Right. You know? So, and there's uh, an always, and again, there's that moment where he's like, I'm going to be a daddy, and now he's not. So, it's the same yeah. for it can be the same for them. Yeah, they if can. I remember one of my friends once uh, had a girlfriend who told him he was that she was pregnant, and then broke, got there was some sort of argument or whatever, and then she told him that she got an abortion. 
and he was really upset because he was very much excited to be a dad and he did something very stupid and got himself arrested but it was because he was going through this grieving process and nobody took it seriously and i'm like why would you not take it as very much seriously from him as it was from her and then it turned out later that she had never been pregnant so he wound up going through this financial trouble legal trouble and grieving for a girl who was just fucking with him ah and doesn't that make you just angry really pissed yeah well don't do that well I, i i mean i remember a girl in high school never forget this she purposely got pregnant to keep the guy um, and I don't know why she told everyone in this class. I think it was choir class. I think I was a freshman. Yeah, I was a freshman taking choir. And this girl tells the whole choir class, she's like, yeah, I'm pregnant. I did it on purpose. And I was like, what? What? It's, it, it, and again, I think that spoke more of the things that, you know, maybe personally that she needed to be working on, you know, but. Um, I wonder if she was just covering her own ass because it's it's easier to say you did something on purpose than you fucked up royally because it's pretty hard to get pregnant on purpose. I, and I it's still s- still pure luck. It's still pure luck. Right. It is. So um, she may not have prevented it, but it's not like she could. Yeah, you know. Um, I, I I definitely I, I think I think at that time i mean i grew up in kentucky so you know f- you know I, I knew a lot of people that that were having babies in high school or um, yeah you get special treatment yeah special treatment or it just happened you know like it literally like you know it happened or they didn't talk about birth control or they didn't talk about condoms or all those things that you know you should be talking about when you're engaging in that sexual activity and i think and then some people they met the love of their life they wanted to get married they wanted to have kids some of them still are and that's beautiful but i I think i think that um i just don't and i don't think we had like a sex i don't remember a sex ed i remember us having a health class where we talked about in kentucky (laughs) no i don't i I don't remember i don't remember a sex ed i remember health class i remember I'll never forget when they were talking about sexual disease and I was like, yeah, chlamydia is this, syphilis is this. Like I was this weird chick that knew. Knew it all because you had that mom. Right. Because she was already telling me about all that stuff and what to look out for and, and all these things. But yeah, I, I, I think, I, I do think that um, when it comes to those things, I, I, just, I think that's important to be having conversations about safe sex if you're going to be engaging in sexual activity. You know, I just think it's so important it to is. learn how to do that, you know? really wish I could talk to them like younger, like in high school, but everybody just likes to pretend that college, that high school kids don't have sex. They do. And of course in my parties, I can't talk to anybody who's under 18. But one time I did a party and the girl was eight. She had just turned 18. She already had two kids. And I'm like, you know, if I had talked to her at 13, could have prevented this possibly. (laughs) You know, something that came up that I wanted to tell you is a cool thing too is perhaps talking with the parents, maybe a, they learn how, or they ask, I don't know how this would make sense, but they can learn how to have those conversations with their young ones. You know, I think it should be a continuous conversation. It shouldn't just be, Oh, you're in high school. Let's talk about sex. I mean, talk about my mom bringing it up in middle school. She was like, Hey, if someone touches you in these ways, let me know. know, Cause especially when you're younger, you may not be aware of, of that. Right. Right. Um, so I think the conversation should start as early as you can. And it doesn't have to be this, like, pull out a diagram and show, you know, like, it doesn't right. have to be that in depth. But, you know, you, you should start as young as you can. Definitely middle school. 
Episode one of Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast is how to talk to your kids about sex. That's my first episode because it's refer people to that, (laughs) and and it's you know a little bit comedic, and it just me and another guy, and we're just chatting about our kids and how we talked about sex. But you know, your mom had the conversation uh, in high school in eighth grade. I had the whole here's how you put a condom on a penis talk with my daughter using one of our you know aids popped it right on the table and made her learn how to, you know, put a condom on. And I remember she was in college. I think she was 19. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I don't think Sarah's a virgin anymore. And my husband goes, God, I hope not. That's getting a little weird. <laughs> like, How'd she make it that long? And then I asked her about it because she also did a podcast with me about sex. And I had asked her about it like in the living room one day. She goes, you just made it. It was just, there was no point. Like, you were just like, cool, here's how to do it. And then I was like, well, then I don't need to do it. (laughs) And it wasn't until she got into college that her and her friends were like, yeah, let's just get rid of it. Let's Let's get rid of it. Get rid of the virginity thing. Yeah. Well, you know what you could do? That'd be so cool if you could do, like, you know how they have freshman orientation in college? It'd be so cool if you could do, like, a, like, like a night where you can either... Maybe it's one session with the parents, you know, and then maybe one session with the, with the freshmen. That would be awesome. That'd be sick because like, I'll never forget my freshman orientation. My mother was, was just terrified. She was just like, oh no, this is happening. This is when all of the things that I taught you are going to come into question. <laughs> yep. Or you know what this one comedian said, he's, he, he basically says like, you know, college sounds like a horrible reality show. You know, like sex, drugs, they're all in one area. They're all confined. (laughs) It's like, oh no. Well, let's say, I was going to say, I do my Q&A at the very end here and I don't have any questions left. I guess I'll have to recite one. Here we go. So at the end of all of my podcasts, I like to uh, pull out a little sex trivia question. Uh, And this comes from a deck of cards called Things They Don't Teach You in School, a Crazy mix of fun facts, random trivia, and totally useless knowledge. Uh, and I w- we bring these to the winery with us, and we will just like go through the questions because they're stupid and they're funny. Uh, and, but then I realized that there was a lot of them that were about sex, so I pulled them out, and so now we do this. Um, let's see. Whichever one I pick, that's the one we're doing next. Let's see. Um, uh, this is a good one. According to experts, how long does a person need to be with their partner before they reach the peak of their sex life? Oh, God. I'm just going to say five years. According to this, it is four years. But that would lead people to believe that the best sex you're going to have is four years in. And that is false. <laughs> that might just be when you're the most comfortable. Right. Uh, but you know, or maybe they only surveyed people who had been married six years. Like, but I'm telling you right now, having been married 24 years, it never stops getting better. It just goes in peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. I like th- again t-shirt t-shirt idea. Yeah. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. Sometimes you have the regular boring plain old sex for a couple months in a row, and then something will happen, and you'll blow each other's minds. You'd be like, yeah. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> and it and it doesn't get I don't know. I don't understand that question. It just seems like they're just asking people to give up long-term relationships. You know? Well, some people think that. 
some people think, oh, well, after so many years, this is going to get stale and, and gross. But I like that what you said about the peaks and valleys. It gives hope to folks like myself, right? Like, you know, who I've, I've never been married. I don't know anything about marriage, right? But one thing I, that was always like, ooh, being married for a long time. I don't know how it's going to work with a sex life. Well, you have to also uh, put an effort into it. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and get lingerie and da 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 da, but have a conversation every now and then. Go through a catalog, sex toy catalog every now and then and be like, ooh, that looks interesting. And then even if you don't ever buy that, you, you're you both thinking about it right now. So, haha. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, like you said, it's talking, it starts with communication. Exactly. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. Well, thanks for coming on. I swear to God, I think I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours. Because we most definitely talked an hour the first time, and now we've just talked another hour and, and some. Um, and some. And yeah. some. Uh, so how can people find you? Oh, yes. So people can find me. Um, I have a website. It's just otisaeeds.com. Very simple. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in otisaeeds, and I will pop up. Uh, I'd be happy to talk to anyone or just, you know, be there and support or Wherever I can be there for you, I, I would love to be there for someone. I just realized you and I have one of the same unique characteristics in that there is nobody else in the world with our name. Yeah. Probably. Probably. And if they do, <laughs> it's probably not their actual name. Right. Or copycat motherfuckers. Copycatting. How dare they? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed. I also have a website, standupcomedysexed.com and raylenetaskoski.com. I've set up a Facebook group just for this podcast so you can participate in polls, ask questions, and politely share an alternate point of view and generally let us know what you think of the episode. So search for the Stand Up Comedy Sex Ed podcast on Facebook. Please subscribe to the podcast, podcast and share and leave a comment because that will help my uh, rankings go up and I would appreciate it. Thank you, Otissa, for coming on the show today. And I'm sure that we will talk again. Oh, we will. Right. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. Bye.